I'm Harry Lennon and this is Dragonheart. Welcome to Dragonheart. A lot, lot's going on this week. We've got the Bournemouth game to break down. We've got the Wilson Chessfield game to uh, look forward to, hopefully. And we have the to look. Uh, we're going to look back at the classic, the Wrexham classic, Birmingham versus Wrexham game. First, Tholo, how are you, Mark and Bill? Not too bad. Bit windswept. Windswept and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all good are you? Yeah, well, <laughs> let's hope the weather stays off for Saturday because we've got a really, really important game coming ahead. But first, we're going to look back at the Borenwood game. This is Dragonheart. Hi, guys. I'm Dominic Rose, and uh, this is Dragonheart. Well, Boreham Wood, a very interesting game, especially for myself as I took my four-year-old stepson. So I didn't actually get to watch much of the game. Uh, I saw one goal, thankfully. But yeah, it was a, a classic performance by Wrexham, wasn't it, Mark? Oh, I was really, really pleased with it. Um, the thing is, it was really comfortable. And I was going to sound odd, this. It's sort of been writing around this within the lead of this week. It, it, it's sort of... There have been a lot more memorable games, in a way, home games this season, or games with memorable bits in them. This was nice because it was just a really comfortable, routine battering of a good team. You know, it was a full 90-minute performance, which we've struggled to put together. And it wasn't dramatic, and we didn't need Mullen to do something crazy. We didn't need to grab a goal late on. We didn't need to survive pressure. We just were superior all over the pitch. And... and you know, hopefully that's because these new signings have added a little bit more to the to the mix and we will start to click now. It was very satisfying, I thought. Pretty, pretty yeah. comprehensive, Bill, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm one of those sort of people. I never really know much about the opposition. I just kind of show up to, to watch Rex and I'd be the same if we were playing them. Um, you know, some of the top championship teams, I probably wouldn't know much about them. But um, was it was that a full strength Boreham Wood side or was yeah. it was it a hot... Yeah, really. Oh, wow. Really so, I mean, it's from the team that won at Bournemouth a week ago, a week earlier. So, yeah, that's a, that's a proper Bournemouth team. So, I mean, like you were saying last week, that we need to see playing Bournemouth three times as an opportunity rather than, uh, you know, a potential um, poor sort of run of games for us. And, and we've gone and faced that first test pretty well, haven't we, to be fair? Jordan Davis's goal. I mean, I'm sure we'll break it down, but wow, fair play. <laughs> He's got he's got them in his locker, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, does this back up the argument of the bigger the crowds, the more pressure, the harder it is to perform, Mark? No. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. The long answer. The long answer is no. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I, I I understand exactly where that question is coming from, but I, I don't think the size of the crowds and, and the results are linked myself. Um, I I think it's it's purely that we looked a bit more like a complete team. Now we've actually had the three new players in on Saturday, um, and we just look smooth and uncomfortable. I don't want it. I don't want. Maybe this is my bias speaking here. I don't want it to be about big crowds because, okay, partly because I think good professionals should want to play in front of big crowds. The bigger, the better. And secondly, because if it is, we have a serious problem in terms of going up the divisions. Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's the case. I, I don't, I don't see, you know, I don't, throw out some some names. I, I don't see Ben Tozer and Ollie Palmer um, and Aaron Hayden being affected by the fact that there's nine thousand people in myself. Uh, I think, I think at Wrexham. When I was a kid, I remember people saying this about Wrexham. There's one of those, I don't know if, I am fascinated by this, but I'll never find out the answer. Do all fans view it this way? We always throw it away. We don't really want to get promoted. We always do badly when there's a big crowd in. We always do badly when we're on TV. We always do badly on artificial turf. These are all sort of tropes Wrexham fans say. I wonder if they're true with all fans. But certainly that one is... I think. I yeah. think some of them definitely are. Our, our dad's a, a Villa fan and he always moans about Villa being on TV. So I think it's definitely um, 
there's something in it for some aspects of it, but I can't imagine many Man United fans are complaining about being on TV, are they? (laughs) It'd be interesting to see from like a sports psychologist's point of view if it would actually change, uh, if there's actually any scientific proof of big crowds and teams at our level changing the way we play and, and looking at maybe the looking back at maybe historical games where we've had bigger crowds at National League and how we performed. So that'd be interesting interesting to look at. Uh, I think to flip it on its head slightly, maybe the opposition haven't had the lift of playing in front of a big crowd rather than necessarily being our players at a phase, perhaps Boreham Wood mm-hmm. and other teams, you know, like Maidenhead the other, the other week, they clearly reveled in that, that crowd situation, didn't they? Uh, sorry to cut in, Che, but, you know, it's it's a perhaps the opposition get more of a lift than our players do from having a big crowd to play in front of. And I'm going to say, you, you've sort of taken the words out of my mouth. I was thinking a similar thing. Yeah, I mean, the, one, of, one of those often quoted things, Kevin Wilkin coming in as manager and saying, you know, whenever I came here, it was no meet Sunday, it was our cup final. See, the, the, the two things that Wrexham fans believe that really shouldn't go together, that... For some reason, Wrexham bottle it in front of big crowds, but for some reason, small clubs who aren't used to it are inspired by it. I mean, you're either scared by crowds as a footballer or you're not. I, I, I think yeah. I, I think the thing with stuff like that is human psychology is naturally going to try and explain events. That's why you have conspiracy theories, isn't it? I'm shocked by that. So let's think what really happened rather than the obvious thing. Um, and then it's again with this... You know, you, you sort of you go back to try and explain, well, why is this happening? And, and you sort of fit the events into into it retrospectively. Um, but I, I, I don't buy it myself, personally. Um, I, I think, well, if, if, if we do have players who are scared of playing in front of big crowds, then they'll need to go because we intend to go up the leagues and play against in front of big crowds. But they've been recruited because they shouldn't be scared of that sort of thing. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a red herring that myself. Good question, though, Jay. To be fair. Yeah, yeah. It's a question that has to be asked, doesn't it? Yeah, it has has to be asked. And I know this is a bit of a simplistic term, but there's a lot of, say, UFC fighters and boxers who have always been fantastic leading up to um, title fights, for example. And when they hit that title fight, they never quite do it. Mm. Uh, So it it would be really interesting to see. It's going to be really interesting to see the boring word game at home in the league this season to see how yeah. see how we play against them then we maybe have their number but they're again they're a very good side and they they're obviously they may be on a little bit of a hangover from the big f their big fa cup triumphs and what have you so yeah it it's a really good result three nil and let's talk about the first goal it was ollie palmer's header wasn't it it's well, exactly Bill, what we've brought him in for. Bill, before you mention about that goal, can I just say quickly, you know, said that your UFC comparison, because it is a fair one, and I know I'm being a bit, bit silly yeah. myself. I'm generalising by saying all professionals should be motivated, all professionals would relish a chance to play for the big crowd. Obviously, that's a, that's, a, that's a silly mashing of all of them together and really stereotyping them. But if I could apply my argument to the UFC argument, fighters who underperform when they get their big chance could also be because they're fighting the at a higher level than they've ever fought at before, perhaps. Mm. You know, so they're actually up against the very best when they fight for the title. And that is just a step up from the people they've beaten to get into that position, who, I guess, by definition, are more likely to be others on the way up, you know, um, good fighters on the way down or what my dad always used to call Mexican road sweepers when, you know, when you were a boxer on the way up <laughs> and you'd be given these sort of nobodies to fight. Oh, yeah. And I think it, you... Go on, Jay, sorry. We are comparing apples and oranges when it comes to team sports and the yeah. UFC, for example, that was just a, or boxing. That was just a simple um, analogy in some ways because... Psychology is, I think, is a lot more prevalent mm. in combat sports than it is football. Because, for example, let's just say Aaron Hayden has a fantastic game. He's amazing. He's unstoppable. But say, for example, Ponticelli misses two sitters. It's not his fault that he's that 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 Rexham have lost. You know, it's Aaron Hayden's fault. But in MMA, for example. 
you could be smashing them for the full five rounds. You make one mistake, you get submitted. It's a very, I know it was, it was a different, it was a strange comparison, but it was something I was, you know, you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking well, I, about. I, I, I think it's a really mm. good comparison. I, I think yeah. that I I'm, I'm, I'm emphasize, James, I don't want us to fall out. I, I like your question. I think it's a good one because yeah. it gives us something to get our teeth into. Um, yeah. And I, I do think I'm simplifying things a lot. Um, because, for example, yeah, okay, so I'm trying to say an elite sports person's mindset should be fearless and relishing opportunity. But then when Michael Spinks fought Mike Tyson, when Tyson was in his prime, everyone was saying then Tyson's unbeatable, but Spinks is a one man who could actually beat him. He's pumped up from a cruiserweight to a heavyweight, but he's so quick and he's looked so good as a heavyweight, he might be the only man capable of beating Tyson. And he comes in the ring and the fight lasts 90 seconds and Spinks is carried out. And afterwards, Spinks admitted that watching Tyson coming in with the scary rumbling noise rather than music that he used to come in then with no fancy clothes or anything and a, a towel ripped in half with a slit in the middle over his head with no tra- with no uh, spangly dressing gown and a look on his face like he wanted to kill Michael Spinks. And Spinks said, as he watched that, I just thought, I want to get out of this ring as quickly as possible. And the moment Tyson hit him, he went down. To make sure that he, he could he could leave in one yeah. piece. So that that's an elite man. That's a that's a bloke who won a lot of title fights as a cruiserweight, and at that point was unbeaten as a heavyweight. Absolutely panicking. So you're absolutely right, and and it really and that's just one on one. Simple. I'm being very simplistic, aren't I? With a group of people, you'll get all sorts of dynamics. I'm just not convinced by it. Although I I will I'll, for next week I'll do some number crunching. Yeah, I'll find I, I results think, with different crowds. See what happens. See what works out. I think football is very complex, sport. you got tactics and things like that. It, it's a completely different sport to any one-on-one combat sport. Um, and you've also got to rely on your other 10 teammates to put in a shift as well for you to win. Because there's been many a times where Rex and players have played fantastic and we still end up losing 3-0. So, and as well, with football, it, you can play wonderfully and miss your chances. You can play yeah. wonderfully and then a lad at the back makes one mistake and you've lost. And in in some ways, it's a bit random. Now, I know, I know all sports are a bit random, aren't they? I know you can dominate a fight and get knocked out by a lucky punch. It's obvious parallel. But then by the same token, and, and you know better than me, would you say that combat sports often are a bit more attritional? So that if you're dominating the fight, you're landing a lot of punches on the other person and, and that will be having an effect on him. Whereas a team dominating a football match and missing lots of chances won't have an actual effect on the other team unless they feel depressed that they can't get the ball back or maybe inspired that the other side can't take their chances. Do you see what I mean? And yeah. Combat yeah. sports have a slightly more inevitable feel about them as they go on, even though there could be a lucky punch, because that domination is grinding the other person down. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's 1v1, isn't it, rather than 11v11. And there's also substitutes and all sorts. Yeah, so, yeah, it was that was a really um, interesting chat back and forth then. I, I enjoyed that. I'd like to see you get the number crunching, get, get, say, our top five or, say, top 20 attendances in the National League and see how many we've won, how many we've lost. So that would be really interesting. We have been great this at home this season, but we've not been burying teams. Yeah. And the times we've buried teams have been in the FA Trophy with smaller attendances. So, yeah, very interesting. It's it's interesting, though. Our top 10 or 20 attendances are going to be mostly from this season, aren't they? The vast majority of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. So we'll have to look at maybe other seasons where we've got similar, like the similar figures, the Grimsby, Salford games, you know, Anyway, let's get on with the boring game. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's about Wrexham, yeah. isn't it? I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, you were going to say about Palmer's goal, I think, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I've got to add something to this point, though. But like, <laughs> this this is <laughs> just a little bit. We were... Was it free? It was 3 nil, wasn't it? It was the first time that we scored more than two at home this season. But in fairness, is it... Well, against against, against the now. team of our league, yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, to to put it slightly on its head, we could have scored four against Grimsby, but we just didn't take the chances. So it, it looks like our best performance on paper this season, but that's just on paper. We've had plenty of games where we could have buried teams. I think even the Torquay game, even though we ended up drawing one all and we 
take the sucker punch and lose. We could have we could have scored three or four in that game as well. So it just seems like this weekend it just clicked for us, really, didn't it? And you know, when you've got a, a left back coming on and making his his debut, not very fancy from Sunderland, and and goes and puts a cross in like that, you know, can't complain at all, can you? Yeah, well. He was really one of the stars of the show, wasn't he, Mark McFadden? What, 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 what was your opinion on his performance? I was delighted with him, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, he gets two assists in the first half hour, and the, the nature of them pleased me. So, I mean, obviously, the first one, as, as you say, Bill, is just a glorious cross, and that gives me hope. Because if you remember, he did it again soon afterwards, and Palmer hit the outside the post. Um, that gives me hope that you know when teams are digging in and defending against us, if you've got somebody who's got good quality delivery, that's hard to defend against. And when he's got the sense to know that we've got a big bloke who's strong in the air and that he can just have a look, see where he is and float that ball into the area for him, that his area to attack, that might be a nice way to break down a team you know, that parks the bus because they've still got to defend that. Um, so that delighted me. But then the other assist is a very simple pass, but I loved it. Um, because the other thing I've been thinking about a lot about that game is I felt you could see a raise in quality across the board. And it made me think back to Dean Saunders when he first came in. And I think he was a bit too demanding of the players because he was used to coaching, you know, Galatasaray and Premier League teams and then he's expecting National League players to be the same quality and I remember him complaining after a match every pass just isn't quite right not not off by much but because the first pass is off the second player's pass is off by a bit more and the third player's pass is off by a bit more again and all of a sudden we're struggling to string passes together because players have to make more and more adjustments to receive it in the first place and then they're playing a worse pass on next time and he's right and I felt, I know it's a bit silly, and I hope I'm proven right, I really liked on Saturday that we did the basics really, really well. And that McFadden pass to Jordan Davis isn't anything dramatic, but the thing is, looks up, sees Davis, firstly, plays the pass at the right time, doesn't hang on for it for too long, plays it in perfect weight, perfectly where Davis wants it. It's a beautiful first touch by Davis, but, you know, he's actually got a player who sees his run, plays the right pass perfectly at the right time. It's a simple pass. And that allows him to take his lovely first touch and thrash it in. And I just think if, you know, we brought in, what is it, six of our last seven signings or seven of our last eight, I think, have either been League One or above. Well, you know, that, that incremental alteration in the quality of our basic skills, if you like, as football, our technique as a team, I think hopefully means that when we move the ball around, we start we're starting to zip it in accurately and can sustain those passes up the pitch. Whereas say the Dean Saunders complaints, the more you pass forwards and get under pressure, the more you make a little mistake and the more you're let, not in control of the ball. Hopefully, we we have, we've developed into a technically superior team who can pass our way through and around sides now because because our players are League One players. And to be honest. It's it, it's not a really great deal to add to that, Mark. It was a great breakdown of what happened on Saturday. To be fair, and it, it was a very nice passing performance, wasn't it? We 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 just seemed to everything just seemed to click, didn't it? And I think if we translate this FA Trophy performance to our league performances, especially at home, we're going to be a really dangerous side to the last few for the last quarter of this season, aren't we, Bill? Yeah, and I, I keep banging on this drum that the the teams that that go on a good run towards the end of the season always um you know profit from it, whether that be through the playoffs or otherwise. And uh, I think you know that this this game, while you can't get too ahead of yourself, uh, which I think at Dragonheart we've been accused of a few times, probably getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> um, it, it's it's a, it's a result and a, and a performance that we've deserved for a long time. Uh, this season, it, it's been difficult to watch in patches because, like you say, Mark, those those incremental little things that have been missing 
uh, I mean, I know we won the, the Halifax game, but that was a per- those first 70 minutes were a, were a perfect illustration of that. It's like we weren't necessarily doing anything poor. It was just a, a build-up of a lot of little poor things that y- you get no result from. Um, I, I, I'm holding my breath a little bit. Let's wait and see. But it's the kind of thing that we were hoping would start to click round about now. We're in February. Like we said previously, it's go time now. This is this is when we need to start getting performances and results, and hopefully we can we can kick on from here. I liked as well. Going back to that first goal, I forgot to say there's, there's another aspect of it that massively impressed me, and I think it caught my eye because it happened right in front of me. Um, clever movements before he received the ball uh, was fantastic, and I, I think was something that we've worked on. You know, I mean uh, the. On Colliers, they'll be doing a lot of work on shape, but there'll be a lot of work as well on sort of automatic movements and, and creating space for other players. And it was just, it was interesting to me. McFadden, I mean, it, it, they sort of matched us up. So they're playing, well, 3-4-3 three, three really, aren't they? Um, but they sort of matched us up. And we had, McFadden went up the pitch, up the line, but tucked in a bit. And just oh no, sorry, he went up. I beg your pardon. He went up the line, gave us a bit of width. He was very high up, and so we pinned their wing back. Back, uh, we got a lot of players going forwards. So you got the two strikers. Obviously, that's an advantage of the system. Uh, but you also had Jordan Davis getting forwards as well, and you had the right wing back up. So their back five was pinned, and there was space, and their midfield was quite narrow because they were covering our midfielders. And Cleworth, when Tozer got the ball in the centre circle, Cleworth saw this, and he saw the angle for a pass that Tozer could make forward pass. 45 degree pass through a, little, a big yawning passing channel between the striker and the cent- that wide striker and the central striker. And so we went and once Toza played it in, they were all where they should be to create that overload. And Cleverth knew it. Cleverth's a clever player and there's an element of improvisation. I think it's also structural. He knows where McFadden's gone because he's seen him. He knows where he should be as well because they're working on those automatic movements. And so when the ball comes in, he doesn't even look to check if he's still there. He just hooks her on blind first time because he knows he's there. And that, that movement broke the lines, gave Tozer the chance to play the pass, to move it from knocking it around at the back to moving it to a player in space in midfield. And then Clareth played that first time so well, immediately moves it through again. So, you know, they talk about playing through the thirds. We've got defence midfield, crossing position in, in a second. And it was all down to, well, Clowett's intelligence, but also that work on shape and that work on movement and that work on, on, on knowing how to automatically pin a side back and create a bit of space. Um, and that really pleased me. I, I just thought that that was good coaching, uh, good execution by the players, really, really good stuff, I thought. Yeah, and it takes a long time to build that sort of thing yeah. as well, isn't it? It's not like... Again, we talk about this. It seems to be a weekly thing now, but that you know, you, it's not like jumping on career mode with Wrexham, uh, battering every team in League Two because you've bought all the best players in the Championship or whatever it is that, that I say that as if I don't play hours and hours of FIFA, I play hours of it. But you, you, you can't work on patterns of play mm. overnight, can you? It takes a long time to build that sort of thing, and we'll be regardless of where we end up next season, we'll be a lot better for having had this year to build a team. If we can keep the, the nucleus of this side together, we'll really benefit from having all had all that work. And I think we're, we're going to go from strength to strength. Just needs a bit of patience. Um, Parkinson's clearly doing a very astute job in a lot of ways. And we've just got to have a bit of faith that, that they can push on. Um I know there's no points involved, but the titleometer I think has moved up to to three now from two, like it was last week. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got yeah, <laughs> get the animation going, don't we? Come on, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little like a what's it like? You know, on, on a children in need when they got those things with the 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 red bars going up. I know. I I think we've we've. You've got you've got to take a lot of confidence from performance like that against a team that are really good. You've you've gone away and beaten the championship side. How can how can you not get um mm. some sort of confidence boost from it? And then the second half, we just we're just in comfortable control. I get a bit edgy when it's two 0 but I wasn't didn't feel edgy at all and sat there. No, the third goal didn't come till late, but we were in control, weren't we? Don't think there's any real threat. 
Yeah, they, we were in we were in cruise control, no threat. We did exactly what we are meant to do. And the best thing about it was, for me, was we probably should have been doing this sort of thing a lot of times this season where we've been excellent in the first half. We should be going 2-0 up and cruising, like the Woking game. You know, we did everything that from the start of the season we weren't doing seemed to click into place. And we also got that killer goal at the end. Another Aaron Hayden header. He, he's he's just awesome, isn't he? He's that best player, in my opinion. Yeah, I can't argue with you, Che. The red by Baron flying again. Sorry for stolen your line, Mark. <laughs> oh no, it should be it should spread across the land. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah, cross Noel Johnson as well. It wasn't it? We had oh, yeah. angle to cross it, didn't he? Oh, it was a beautiful cross. Textbook Aaron Hayden header, and what a great way to finish off the game and to give us a real good confidence boost against a cracking side who I think Borenwood could easily go up via playoffs or via being champions this year. So it, it, let's hopefully this is a great way. This, is, this could be a great kickstart for our season. Mm. And but at the end of the day, if <laughs> If we then now go and have a terrible game against Wealdstone and lose, it's all for nothing, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, at this moment in time, league is number one for the players, the fans, and the whole club, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. This double header coming up now is crucial, isn't it? The Wealdstone yeah. Chesterfield games get results from those, and we got some proper momentum going. Yeah, and so talking about the Wealdstone Chesterfield games. Let's break them down. So after this, we're going to be talking about Wheelstone and Chesterfield. Playing the music you love. This is Wrexham's Heartbeat. This is Callon FM. On Saturday, we have a real tough game coming up away from home. Wheelstone, um, they cause us problems at home this season. I think actually, all things considered, considering where they are on the table, played some, some of the nicest football I've seen at the race course this season, didn't they, Mark? Uh, yeah, I, I think Wheelston on the sly are a decent team. Um, I think <laughs> I, I, I may be being wrong in saying this. I think because they've come up the same time as Kings Lynn and Weymouth and because there was no relegation last season and we weren't that bothered about the bottom end of the table, I think maybe, not just us, I think probably a lot of teams sort of lumped those teams in together a little bit. And Wilson are much better than Weymouth and Kingsland. And I was quite interested looking at their manager talking about this last week, saying that he feels that they've been low key, but they've been really good. And that, that sort of summed up their performance against us, where they would, you know, I mean, all right, it's a nil nil draw, but they're in control. First game we failed to score in all season. You know, nobody else has kept a clean sheet against us. They're just tidy and organised, and I think, yeah, like I said, they're a cut above those teams down the bottom of the table. They're well, Although they're down in a low position, they're well clear of relegation. They're not They're not going down. I mean, we said that about Maidenhead, and they're about six points ahead of Maidenhead. So, yeah, I think Wheelstone are a team to be respected. And he was saying, like, they've not done anything really crazily eye-catching, but they've never had a run without wins. They've never had a run of losses the nice and going along stead and building nicely for next season sort of team. I, I got a lot of time for Wilson. Well, well, to be fair to them, they've just beat Barnett 3-1. They've just beat Yeovil 2-1. And before, they did lose to Grimsby away from home, but they got a draw against Notts County. So none of them results are anything to scoff at at all. They're a side that are really good, in really good form. they got a young modern manager, haven't they? And they play really nice, tidy football. Mm. So could be a real banana skin for us this Saturday, couldn't it, Bill? Yeah, um, I reckon they want some, to be honest. Uh, they'll they'll be after... <laughs> Sorry, I had to fit one in. Uh, they, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a big game for them and ho- hopefully um, the conditions won't stop us from being able to play the type of football that we like. Although I know we are a, a top-end sort of team I, and I don't think... Tactically, we completely rely on the weather, but if it is a bit wet and windy, um, it's always difficult for teams 
it's a leveler, isn't it? You know, it's difficult for teams who are higher up to show that sort of quality if there's a bit of chaos on the pitch. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's actually the the first long distance away game that I've been to in a very long time uh, for very, obviously with COVID and various other reasons. So hopefully it'll be a, a nice one to come back on that four hour journey with three points. And they're, uh, like I said, I think they're tidy in the way they play football. They're a good club as well. I got a lot of time for them. I mean, that win they had last Saturday. Well, firstly, that's a big derby game, isn't it? The Wheels Barnet is a North London derby. Um, and I only realised, found out today, it, it's got a hell of a lot of history behind it. It's the, the first ever televised fixture in the UK. 1946, oh, oh wow. the BBC showed part of Barnet against Wheelston live. Um, even Obviously, that was a non-league game then. That was what we know. Um, there were problems at the match. I, I, I'm sure you may have seen with, the, with their their fans. Or, but, well, well, no, I shouldn't say that. With some troublemakers who were in the away end. Um, and I think that the Wheelstone, like I said, are a club with a really good reputation. And the way they slapped them down immediately and firmly and reasserted this is a club which is inclusive. Um, this is a club that encourages kids to come and watch. They got no place, was well, firstly, were very pleasing to see. Secondly, was not at all surprising because Wheelston are a class act. And thirdly, was very reminiscent of some of the statements that, that, that Wrexham had to put out around the banning orders as well. Um, and it was good to see Wheelston just step up and say, right, we, we, these people have nothing to do with us. This does not represent this football club. Um, you know, sort of tarnishing a brilliant day. And so, yeah, I'll stop saying about it now because the fact is they got a superb win in a derby. The vast majority of their fans were brilliant. And, yeah, I, I think they're on a little bit of a bounce. I think we've got to, we've got to, we've got to have a test. It's going to be a tough game. It's nice to see some of these smaller teams being so cooperative and so nice and so well-run because there is other teams who are very similar stature who aren't in this league as well, isn't there? We don't have to name names, but everyone can draw two and put two and two together. <laughs> but yeah, all credit to Wealdstone. Um and it is a really, real tough task. And and then is there anyone who catches your eye player wise, Mark? Um I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take the coward's route and say they are a good unit and good collectively, yeah. but they do have a mayor up front who has scored a hatful of goals and seems to be really flying at the moment as well. Uh, so I think I'd, I'd, probably, I'd probably look at him as somebody who looks to try and run the channels between our three centre-backs. I mean, that, sometimes that can be an issue, can't it? If your centre-backs get a bit spread, you can play three at the back, can you get in between them? So I think that's something we've got to watch out for. Um, to, to, to reiterate what we said about them being a good club, I've got to say, and I don't want to talk about the, the possibility about the weather with this game too much because, you know, we, we shouldn't, but I will raise it just to say that Wheelstone, if there's any concerns, they did have their match, match called off in midweek because of the waterlogged pitch. If they did have any concerns, I think they would play it right and we'd be get, kept in touch with it. I think they're, you know, that sort of club. They're going to be not like the Dover Notts County situation that we had in the week where, well, I mean, certainly on the surface of it, the game was called off, uh, you know, sort of mid-afternoon. Notts County fans obviously already on their way down. And Dover came out with what looked like a sort of attempt to grab hold of the PR, grab hold of the story, um, going nuts at the National League for calling the game off and attacking Notts County for pressuring the National League into calling the game off. And they got... (laughs) Um, the you know all the angry statements about uh, I've never seen I've never seen this where the, a, a bloke in an office in London has said that the game should be off and all this sort of stuff. Um, and unfortunately for Dover, Notts County responded by saying, "Well, none of this is true. We're desperate to play the game. We're already down here. We paid for the hotel, um, and." <laughs> Uh, we phoned up Dover after the pitch inspection by the referee and were told the game was on. And then we're told a couple wow. of hours later that the referee had called the game off. So they, they wanted to know how did Dover tell them the game was on when the referee appears to have called it off. Um, 
yeah, I, I, we, we, we hopefully we'll have no problem anyway with the weather on Saturday, but I'm, I'm quite sure Wilson won't be doing that to us. And we've already been oh. to Dover this season, so I'm happy. Well, exactly. <laughs> and without doubt, though, the conditions are going to be hostile weather-wise, aren't they? Yeah, without, yeah. without doubt. That, that's the, whether, whether the game's playing or not, which I'm pretty confident it will be played, hopefully. Uh, but it, it, it will that benefit us as a side... Do you think the way we play, do you think hostile conditions could actually benefit us rather than be detriment? It's it's interesting when a team that is of uh, better quality play more, what would, I suppose, attritional football against a team that who, who are lower, who have a lower quality in inverted uh, commas, you know, who are trying to play nice, tidy, neat football. Um well, that's an interesting situation anyway. And I know I said that it was a leveler earlier, but maybe th- these are the sort of circumstances where our sort of style of play comes into, uh, uh, comes comes good for us. And it might not be as much of a problem as it usually would be. I don't know what your thoughts are, Mark, tactically. Um, I kind of, I mean, it depends as well as what type of bad weather do you get? Maybe it's going to be all right. Um I would, I, my gut feeling is to agree with your first sentiments that, as you put it very nicely, a bit of chaos in the game suits the underdog. And I mean, look at last weekend, Burnley against Liverpool. Liverpool won, could easily have lost. And I think part of that at least was driving rain, strong winds meant that, Mm. you know, it was, it was harder to impose your skills on the game and easier for big lads to win headers, if you like. Um, uh, well, it depends, flip- doesn't it? I mean, sorry. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, we've got a Bento's a throw-in with wind yeah. could cause all sorts of problems. We've got people like Aaron Hayden. Yeah. We've got who can score headers. We've got Ollie Palmer who can score headers. We've got Jordan Davis who can whip balls in really nicely. So mm-hmm. I think the way we play football could, with bad conditions, it is a roll of dice, could actually be really beneficial as well. So, you know, look at it. I- Look at the older shot game last time with poor conditions. We were two 0 up at half time. So I'm not. I, I still think about it. That. I still think it is a bit of a leveler. But just to sort of clarify, I think in this situation we have got a better tactics for for that leveling uh, to be less rather than it being a you know a huge like Liverpool plays such fantastic football and Burnley are like a, an elite non-league team, aren't they, in the way that they play, like the super elite non-league team. Um, and so maybe I'm doing doing Burnley down a little a little bit there, but we are playing that very uh, defensive structured football, but we we whip crosses in. We Like Chase just said, we bent toes as well, always putting the balls in there. Um, perhaps, perhaps that suits us. Maybe I'm just being if optimistic. We, if we can control the chaos on the pitch... We could score many goals on Saturday. I personally think. I think I it's like chaos control. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you know, with the players we have, the quality, and as I said, we don't play like a Liverpool or like a Pep Guardiola's Barcelona on the floor, tiki taka. We we play quite direct football. I think poor conditions could could suit us. We need to go down there, regardless of the conditions, and raid three points, don't we? Yeah. Oh, the Wheelstone Raiders. Wow. Very nice. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I, I don't think we're as direct as you guys think. I, I think we can go direct, and that that's often when we look bad. I, I, oh. I think we're in. I, I think passing quite quickly through the thirds. We we're looking to do, um, and I think otherwise, as a Parkinson said, he thinks we look best when we keep possession. Uh, I think that when we start knocking long balls, it's because people are starting to panic a bit because things aren't working. But we've got the ability to go direct, which yeah. could suit horrible, mm. rainy, windy conditions, couldn't it, as well? So, it, yeah, it's it's not like we are Liverpool or Man City. We, 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 we can play really versatile. We can play different types of football, if you know, if you know what I mean. Yes, so, yeah. yeah, the wheels yeah, game we- should should be a really, really interesting match. If we're chasing a game uh, and it's windy, it's nil-nil, we're desperate to win, we can stick Ollie Palmer and Kwame Thomas both on and just throw that ball in there, can't we, and just hope for for something to stick? We say, we're saying all this, but it's starting to sound like a talk again. Away. 
we yeah. ended up doing that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little true, wary true. of this. Talkie are a very good side, though, aren't they, to be fair? I know they're not quite having the season they've had previously. They're all right. You've you've also got the old shot game that got called <laughs> off before half time. We were two up with yeah. four conditions as well. So, it, it, and the one we won, out, the conditions weren't great then. Yeah, yeah. No, so it yeah. balanced itself out. So, yeah. it, it, what I want to see is Ben Toza take a throw in it, go over the stands. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted want to take a throw in and just never come down. Yeah. And everyone just yeah. stands there. And, oh, okay. You're like when seagulls just hover. <laughs> I just want that to happen. So if 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 we're five nil up, that's why I want Ben Tozer to do is just see if he can throw a ball over the stands of the wind. Um, that would be intre- That would be hilarious. And Did you get booked for time wasting, right? If it was like <laughs> injury time, and you get an attack in the throwing, and Tozer just goes, and with the wind behind him throws it over the stand behind the goal, which, let's be honest, he would be able to do, especially with the wind behind him, because, you know, a small non-league stand. I mean, he has thrown it into play. He's then thrown it straight out of play again, but it's not like a foul throw or anything. It's a goal kick. Oh, yeah. you know what? I'm going to ask the referee that now. We need, to, <laughs> we need to see if we could get a National League referee on the show. That would be yeah. interesting, wouldn't it? Oh, God, yeah. That would that'd be us in court, wouldn't it? <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I doubt if many uh, National League referees could operate Zoom by the look of them <laughs> surprised if many of them could open their front doors when they get home still got Nokia phones like the old brick Nokia phones probably <laughs> but uh, any, anyway moving on, moving on from that um, hopefully a positive result comes Saturday and then Tuesday it, it, it's got to be one of the biggest games of the season isn't it, for Wrexham. Uh, Chesterfield away Tuesday night. It's a good t- and I think it's a good time to play him too. Hope so. No uh, more. You know, no Shamanga. They're, they're coming from coming off two draws. Mm. New uh, manager. One stock, but yeah, new manager. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it should be a really. Hopefully, it's a good time to play them, but they are a real quality side, aren't they, Mark? Oh, absolutely. The, the, uh, Shamanga picking up a horrible injury like that is a hell of a blow to them. And even though obviously I want us to finish above them, nobody would want that to happen to the guy. Um, and we obviously pass our best wishes on to him and, and hope he can recover. But they, they, I mean, you, anyone would miss a player who's on that sort of form. And it, it feels like, well, I mean, it feels like a, a a turning point for their season, doesn't it? They're, they've had the problems at management level, which now have been, well, I don't want to say resolved, but certainly they found a solution to it. Then we need to see if Cook can actually succeed as manager a second time there. They've lost a key player. They've had a bit of a wobble from being top of the league to wobbling a bit. It'd be interesting to see, you know, they're either going to kick on from that. They're going to look back and I think and see, say either we kicked on from this, got through it, or the wobble continues and we paid for it, I suspect. So, yeah, we need to be positive, get there and give them, a, give them an extra push if they're wobbling. I don't think it's a, it's a make or break situation no. for either team, but I think if either of us is successful at the end, if we were to win this game, it'd be the result that both sides would look back at and go, yeah, that was a, that was a positive turning point for us. That was a, like a sort of centrepiece result. Mm. I think it... it it, it could be a real springboard for us if we go and get six points this week. Mm. Really do. I think actually, actually that... There's almost as bit... All right, here's one for you. If we get four points, but we only we draw against Wheelstone and we beat Chesterfield, is that is that a better scenario than the other way around? In terms of momentum, at least. I know points, obviously, it's no different, but... I, I, we're I expected want, to beat Wheelstone. I don't want four, I want six. Of course, no, same here. I'm just saying if we're in a scenario where it's four, because four is an acceptable amount for both of those games, really, but you'd say, right, Wheelstone's a must-win in Chesterfield, you can afford a draw. But if it's the other way around, does the momentum shift a bit towards us? Is it a bit more like a six-pointer, so I, to speak? I, I think six points is... Um, 
the the acceptable mark for the next two games. Fighting words, MJ. <laughs> I, well, I, I I like the idea of um. Well, no, okay. I, I better rephrase that. I was going to say I like the idea, your four points idea. I don't. I like Jay's six points idea. However, <laughs> um, having said that, I mean, can you imagine how bouncing the race course would be the next Saturday against Aldershot if we beat mm. Chesterfield away? It's going to be packed yeah. out. There's going to be so much optimism. And there's a team that we would expect to go at in a home game and we could build momentum there. So I would rather have a cheers, right? I want six points from these games. But if it was four, I, yeah, I think I agree. I think that if, it, if we've got to draw one and win one, let's beat Chesterfield. It'll knock points off them and it'll, it'll tee us up then for hopefully, uh, you know, a, a good go at all the shots. Then we've got Kings Lynn at home. Then we've got Boreham Wood at home. Three home games in a row. So beat Chesterfield and then go into three home games, the first two of which you'd be very disappointed if we drop points in. And then a massive Boreham Wood game. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Myself? Uh, yeah. Hypothetically, if we draw and then beat Chesterfield, yeah, it's not bad. Then we'll be kicking ourselves come the end of the season when we've missed out on second or third because we haven't beat teams like Wealdstone this season and we haven't beat teams like Maidenhead this season. So... For me, we just need to beat them both, and it's as, it's as yeah. simple as that. I, I know that's I do agree. what works, but if we really want to kick on this season, we've got mm. the quality. Uh, we're doing everything right off the pitch. I think three points every game is the most acceptable amount, and I don't think we should be settling for any less. I do agree. I, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it's a bit brutal, because I know Chessfield are a fantastic side, but I think with them not having Shamanga on the pitch, who has been their talisman and best, been the best striker in the league this season, it, it's and with their, the you know the new manager thing, yeah, it, it could be a fantastic time to play him. I hope so. I do hope so. Yeah, I'm just looking at Wilson's <laughs> home results. I mean, they drew Notts County. They only lost by one goal against Chesterfield. They beat Grimsby. A lot of teams have dropped points at their place. You know, the top end team, Solly Holmord yeah. drew there. Um, I don't think it'd be the worst results for us, but but but, no, but please don't get me wrong. Um, I want us to win it, <laughs> but I think Bills have got an interesting point there. If if you offered me a win at there or a win at Chesterfield, I'll take Chesterfield to hurt them. Yeah, I, f- I think it a Chesterfield win away would be a real statement, wouldn't it? Um, but. You know, four points is is good. I'd I'd probably i I'd be I'd be happy with four points, even if it was a draw at Chesterfield as well. To be fair, and I still think the race course would be b- bouncing going to Old Shot, knowing that we've you know got three good b- results on the bounce, including the FA Trophy. But I think why not just go for all six? I think we we're, we're capable of it, hundred percent. Absolutely. But yeah, so after this. We're going to be talking about the the legendary game that was Wrexham v Birmingham City in the. I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. Well, it really was a Wrexham classic that um, Wrexham versus Birmingham um, FA Cup third round was it? Twenty five years ago, last Tuesday. Fifth round. Fifth round. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well. I stand corrected. Um, as 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 is quite evident, it was quite clearly before my time mark. So, for some for someone like myself, paint a picture about where Wrexham were at the time, where Birmingham were at the time, and why it's such a significant result. Uh, absolutely, I will first say it wasn't before Bill's time, and I'm a, uh, how how shocking that you should turn you should stereotype the old man to talk about the past. I, well, I was, I was only seven, Mark. So oh, I actually wow. remember before before you go on to because you've obviously got much better memories to talk about with me. I remember being on B and Q roundabout. <laughs> oh yeah, on B and Q roundabout with the radio on, and like I mentioned earlier, my dad's a Villa fan. So when the result came in, it was almost like a, a double bonus for him. Birmingham City had lost three one, and it was to Wrexham, Perfect. and it was it was a really significant result, wasn't it? Really, I think a lot of football were talking about it even back then. Oh, it was. It was... 
It was massive. I mean, the, the context, G, is that Birmingham were up at the top end of the championship and were in a very optimistic place. In fact, the next Monday, they would be floated in the stock market. And so it was a big deal uh, that Trevor Francis made the massive mistake in this pre-match press conference. Obviously, he'd been told by the club, be optimistic, build it all up, because we want people to be jumping in and buying those shares on Monday. Um, so the fact that we are at home to Wrexham, you know, we got a cup run on, you know, that, that should be an incentive. But he actually said the stupid words of along of, of we're we're at home to a lower division team, so we should be in the quarterfinals of the cup at, after the weekend. <laughs> and that came back to bite him pretty badly. It was a it was a very good Wrexham team. It had all the sort of all your classic favourites, Brian Carey, Tony Humes, Andy Marriott in goal, Phil Hardy, Gareth Owen, Carl Connolly. Uh, it was after Bennett left, although actually Bennett would come back for the quarterfinal. Um, uh, Peter Ward, Martin Chalk, uh, Steve Watkin. And of course, maybe the person most associated with it, Brian Hughes, who had a brilliant season for us, looked a real class act. And was outstanding in that match, scored one of the goals and ended up moving to Birmingham. I wonder how he caught their eye. <laughs> he, got, he got the first goal of the game, didn't he? Um, if, I, if I remember right, look at the highlights, I think Birmingham went 1-0 up as well, didn't they? That's right, Steve Bruce. Wow. So we, we started the game very well and frankly looked a better side. And then Bruce from a corner, not not what you'd expect, not a Fergie time Steve Bruce goal, but it, it coming back out to him and him really smashing a cracking hit from the edge of the area. Um, and we didn't deserve it. And I'm sure you've seen on those highlights, Jay, that the, the Wrexham fans yeah. in the away end, I mean, absolutely remarkable following, wasn't it? But then in the second half, Wrexham went at him. And you know the scenes behind that goal. So Hughes's goal is a good one, isn't it? He, he controls his header quite well, doesn't he? To to get there. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a beautifully goal and a, a lovely cross as well, wasn't it? Um, and just that, just looking at the atmosphere, it looked really hostile as well from the Wrexham fans. It 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 was really that amazing, memorable day out, which I I think, as I said in the past. Um, I've never really been lucky enough to see any memorable FA Cup moments with Wrexham. And it, it does make me rather jealous when I see, when I go back and I look at the highlights of, you know, the Arsenal game, the Middlesbrough game, the Ipswich game, the, you know, the Birmingham game. I'm like, hopefully soon we will get a taste of that ourselves. Exactly. It'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. The support throughout was brilliant in that draw. So third round, we drew us home to West Ham. And then the replay at Upton Park, terrific support from Wrexham. And then the next game was a Tuesday night game against Peterborough, at Peterborough. And again, the away end absolutely packed out, a real memorable sort of journey down with all the loads of Wrexham fans, thousands of Wrexham fans going. Uh, and then this game again. Um, and I remember it being a very vociferous atmosphere uh, Birmingham, I always feel it's a bit of a raw, sort of old-fashioned atmosphere. The, the fans uh, feel a bit edgy, to be honest with you. Um, and I was commentating on it for Marcher Sound, and I was very grateful of the fact there was a weird sort of false roof in front of the press box because we went ahead and we Tony Hume's goal, and then they had Paul Devlin sent off, and it happened right in front of me. It was a shocking foul on Martin Chalk. He went in, studs up, jammed him into his knee, Absolute shocker. The referee was Martin Bodden, who was one of the top refs, who always, I always felt, was much too soft for players. He seemed to not give cards very often, and he gave a straight red straight away. So there's no doubt in his mind, the bloke would let people off, that this was a bad challenge. I called it as it was, and a load of Birmingham fans right in front of me turned around and started screaming all sorts of threats at me. And I thought, thank goodness for this weird roof thing, because they can't actually get to me, because they weren't thrilled, <laughs> to be honest with you. But it just meant I made more noise when we scored the third. <laughs> oh, that! And who scored the third again? I completely forgot. I completely lost my memory. Who was it again, Mark? It's Carl Connolly. Carl, Con of course, yeah, Carl Connolly. And, that, and what minute of the game was that? Well, I mean, it's late on. Birmingham are taking risks, yeah. 
and and he scores in the the last minute of the ninety. So wow. we've been leading since the sixty-first minute, and looking pretty comfortable. To be fair, I, I don't recall us really being all that pressured by it. Um, and then yeah, he scores, and, and as you've seen, it's a wonderful sort of you know they're press they're pushing forward. We hit him on the counter goal. We've Connolly charging through the middle, and then that that brilliant sort of if you're going to get a goal in a situation like that that. The, you know, the ball rolling, agonising towards the goal and thinking, it's going to go in, it's going to yeah. go in and be able to relish it. Oh, that was a, that was a beautiful feeling. I, I, I love that. I love that sort of goal and yeah. just, you see the ball trickling in and, and you just see all the, all, seeing all the Wrexham away yeah. fans just like sort of bobbing, waiting for it to go in. <laughs> and then it, it finally <laughs> hits, hits the net. And it. Well, five years what? earlier, Lee Jones did the same at West Ham to get us a two-all draw in the cup. And I was bang level with the goal line. And it was terrifying because he was one-on-one with McCloskey, the goalkeeper. He two-poked it past him. And from what I was seeing, I could see that he'd knocked it past McCloskey and the keeper wasn't going to get back to it. I could also see that Lee Jones was running after it, was not going to get there in time. And I couldn't tell if it was going to go in, hit the post, go wide. I remember just <laughs> those couple of seconds really felt like a long time, but it was perfect right in the bottom corner. Uh, I don't know. And then after the game at Birmingham... Oh, it was funny. It was deeply funny. Because, of course, I'd, I'd done the commentary and then I went to the press conference. And the press conference, of course, Trevor Francis, Mr. We're, we're in the draw for the quarterfinals. Well, you can imagine what sort of questions he was fielding. Because we'd, we'd outplayed them. We, 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 we were, it was a real passing team, Brian Flynn's team then. And we outplayed them. And you know, the Birmingham press, who the day before had been told by him, don't worry, lads, this will be a walkover really ripped into him. Are you t- did you take them too easily? They were clearly a better team than us. They looked like a championship team, not us. And, and oh, they destroyed him. It was really ferocious. Um, you don't usually see that with club managers, like national managers. The, the reporters haven't got a, you know, if, if you get, if, if the Welsh FA ban you, the Tud Manor, because you're a Cardiff reporter or a Wrexham reporter, you know, yeah. so generally, the, the, the national managers get a hard time of it. Whereas the club managers generally are getting interviewed by their own local paper, um, and the journalists a bit more careful often. But ooh, they tore him, they tore him to pieces. And then after the game, two things stuck in my head was Devlin, who got sent off. I, I think we were better anyway, but it didn't help. And Devlin is supposed to be a sort of dyed in the wool Birmingham fan, isn't he? And a real sort of, you know, Birmingham foot through and through. And I always remember, I know this is really unfair, seeing him leaving laughing his head off with his mates, thinking he doesn't look like the man who just got sent off in an embarrassing cup tie for the team that he loves, but all right. But then seeing Steve Bruce, and I, I always felt a bit um, a bit sympathetic for Steve Bruce after this. Bruce came out and he looked gutted. You know, he looked like he was thinking, you know, the end of my career, this was a chance maybe to win the cup or get to another cup final. And it's gone. And, and also maybe just he was a good professional and he looked heartbroken. And I remember he was walking past me. And I didn't, you know, I, I, I can't, you know, obviously, Steve Bruce and I do not have any relationship, except that I quite like Murder, She Wrote, and he looks a bit like Angela Lansbury. Um, but we we made eye, we had a little moment. We made eye contact because he looked so sad and I felt sorry for him. And I, we had a little moment where I just looked at him and sort of like give him a sympathetic sort of eyebrows. And, and he just sort of nodded and walked past. I thought, oh, poor man. Bless him. That's why I felt sorry for him when Newcastle's acting. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's, it's really nice listening to stories and reading about the game. And it, it's, it's a real iconic one I think sometimes gets forgotten about isn't it um, we, we, we talk about the Arsenal game a lot because you know the Arsenal game's a very pivotal important part of our history but it's it's so nice to hear other people's stories about games of, of the past that are obviously fond in many, many people's memories but don't get as talked about as the Arsenal game so yeah that is a real Wrexham Classic that game, and and the odd thing yeah. is, of course, that the quarterfinals. I'm pretty sure the quarterfinals never happened. I think just abandoned the competition at that point. I'm sure, oh, yeah. we didn't play. In the quarter- <laughs> I'm sure we didn't play. 
Yeah, Wrexham have hammered Birmingham. This is as good as football. Football is completed now. It won't get any better. We'll just abandon this competition. <laughs> we I'm we just give sure. We give the other team a bye, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that, wasn't it? Definitely. But yeah, that's over and done with now. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. It's been a cracking podcast and safe journeys to everyone travelling down to Wealdstone. Me and Bill will be there, including the away end. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, so thanks to Mark, thanks to Bill. Please follow us all on t- follow Dragonheart on Twitter and Instagram. Follow official Racks of AFC um twitter youtube and tune into rex and player on saturday where there'll be commentary so yeah this is dragon heart <laughs>